0: There was a lot for, for, give it up for joy, because that was a lot to fit in, Um, and uh, we are constructing as we speak. Look, if this is your first morning, you're very, very welcome. My name is Thomas, I'm the pastor here in Downpatrick, and it's not every morning that we have uh, a, a table and then... A, a pool. So we have a, a house with a pool. Um, but uh, no, this morning we're going to be continuing on our Come to the Table series. Thanks very much. Um, and then also we have our baptisms, which will be more on that later on. Uh, but before we do all of that, all right, because this morning's like this morning, get really busy and you can just go from one thing to one thing to one thing. I want to pray. I want to pray that um, as we continue to move that, that God's presence would be upon everything we do. God's presence would be upon the table, but also upon the waters of baptism. Yeah, Father, I just thank you that you are here, that God, you are here in our midst, that you're God Emmanuel, which is God with us, God in us, through us, and among us. And so this morning, God, we we thank you that you're here. We thank you that you, you want to come and continue to reside upon your people. You've paved the way, you've paved access to the measure of your, your presence, your glory, your shekinah Shekina glory. Lord, right now in this place, in this moment, we just acknowledge that you're here. That everything we do is void and meaningless without you, without your presence, without your nearness. And so, Father, we are people of your presence. That where the wind blows, it wind blows. We don't know where it comes and where it goes, but, God, we... Keep our eyes and our attention on the wind of your presence. So Father, I pray this morning that every single person would know your nearness. Whether it's for the first time or that they've been long in this game, Lord, that they would know your presence in a fresh way. That we would not become stale, like steel bread. We would not become stagnant like stuck waters. But God, that in you there is a river of flowing life. In you there's fresh manna for today. And so, Father, I pray for every eye, every ear this morning. That they would free, they would, they would freshly drink from you this morning, but also they would get fresh man on this morning. And Lord, that you would come and you would speak and you would move in your minister. And that life would be in this place. Because you are in this place. So, Father, we commit everything to you this morning. And all God's people said, Amen. If you are just joining us, we're having our, our Come to the Table uh, series. And I just want to highlight on what Joey said. You all would have got an email this morning. If you haven't got an email, see a volunteer in Zoe to go to the Connect Desk um, out in the foyer afterwards. And at the end of this month, we are doing on Sunday, the 26th of, of November at 1 p.m. We have, I'm going to put it like this, we actually do have award-winning chefs, by the way. Julian Haley, right? They actually are award-winning, just to pick it up, um, because they ran a successful um, chip shop. Mind you, we're not doing fish and chips, but it'll be a bit bigger than that. There'll be turkey and hams, There'll be stuffed steaks and all sorts of things um, to that. It was originally put as a Toy Fields fundraiser. I'm actually stopping that. I, I want to get back to what the table's about. There is a £10 um, uh, charge for, for adults and a £5 for kids. Hear me. On that link, there's going to be an option to pay... Book your space without having to pay. I would encourage you to suggest a donation. We can't do this. We're not made of money, unfortunately. We actually do need to replace. It's why it's a bit cold in here, because we need to replace the boiler, potentially. Um, But praise the Lord for the likes of George, who has been in the background making sure there's some heat in this place. Um, But actually, you you will not get the food that you're getting at this for that price. But coming to the table, we don't want money to be the issue. So come speak. Come chat to Zoe. We can sign up on that. We'll we'll talk more about that later on. But it's about getting back to the table, and we're going to look at that this morning. I want to look at the heart of communion, and and, and what I really feel is is actually, I've I've been challenged when I when I was preparing for this, um, in our you know evangelical Protestantist, you know non denominational world, sometimes that we can we can raise some things and forget about others, and we're going to look at that this morning. But. Um, I, I want us to get back to the table. I want us to get back to community. We do it so well, but I want us to be continually intentional and we're going to look at that. So I would really encourage you, if you have anything planned for that Sunday afternoon, cancel it right now um, and get signed up to that because, it, honestly, it's going to be a really, really good intentional way. Um, and I'm going to talk about the, the heart on that a bit later. But I don't know about you. I don't know in this room, what I love about this room, is that there's such a variety of people. I mean, I look around and I go, the phrase of Down Patrick is such a, Life's like a box of chocolates you just don't know what you're going to get that whole thing we say about the ipad We are all a mix and box. Anybody know Revels? The, the sweets of Revels. I'm not going to say who's the coffee ones, alright? But um, I'm only joking, that's just me to you, alright? So um, that's fine. I don't like coffee anyways. Um, but in this room, everyone will have different experiences and understandings of what communion is about, okay? I'm not here to, to argue with the theologies of whether the elements are the literal body of Jesus or whether it's um, his presence upon the bread and wine, which is probably more why I would, say, I would probably say it's it's definitely not a symbol just in what some uh, views would take. But what I'm really aware, of, I want to say, is that everyone will be coming to this with, with different frameworks, different um, traditions and understandings, all right? That, and, and God will take you on that journey. But for me, I remember in the, in the church tradition that I grew up, I think it was P4 is when you're sort of intentionally... And brought in to, to go through this sacrament. And I remember, if anybody knows P4s or has people around P4s, is that they don't have any table manners, okay? So um, you have to prepare them in order to, to eat any form of food, all right? So, um, or substance. So they brought us into the church uh, leading up to when we were going to do this. And I can remember our whole class going in. And they wanted us just to practice the etiquettes of how to receive and also how not to to consume and, and chew you know your food so they they gave us anybody remember the the wafers of the ice cream sliders yeah i could still taste in my mouth we were, they used that okay because um they wanted to us to get us practice and they they um you put it in your mouth and you know it was, just let it dissolve in the tongue and let you know suck on it if you need to but don't start going to your seat smacking all right because every p4 or young child would do that all right so that was fine done that went then to remember the service where we would be um, just really consuming and, and partaking in the Lord's table. And I remember getting the, not the, the ice cream sliders, but getting the, the, the Eucharist and the, the um, body and blood of Jesus. And uh, I remember then just letting it dissolve, but sucking on it. And then it got stuck to the roof of my mouth. All right. And, and what, what happened? Yeah, you laughed, but it was true. I remember then going, mm, I didn't expect that because it didn't happen with a wafer. So I began to then uh, try and scrape it off the top of, the roof of my mouth, but what happened was I, could, I didn't even engage with the service. I didn't even engage with the, the corporate body um, engaging in, in communion where we would be um, coming to the Lord's table. I didn't even understand what it was about. and sometimes our church's communion can be like that. Sometimes it can be that we're so distracted, sometimes it can be that we are, we're so we don't really know what it's about or we're not really engaged. And therefore, we don't participate in a way that's actually worthy and what it's supposed to be about. In fact, sometimes it's just all that we've done in church, so we just go through the motions and, and do it. Anybody know what I mean? And, and the Lord's Table of Communion is never supposed—it's never supposed to have come to be a ritual event or something that got reduced to the sidelines of our of our church gatherings. I'll tell you why: for the first fifteen hundred years of church history, okay? Think, now remember, the church is just over 2,000 years old, so the fast, last 500 years things have shifted, usually down to the Reformation. But for the first 1,500 years, the table was at the center of the church's gathering. This table where we came to celebrate the body and the blood, the elements and the people around the table, this was the, for the first 1,500 years. Not just for the first 15 years, but that's over anybody do the math there three quarters of our the the birth of the church and our history is around the table but what happened was somewhere along the line someone decided to put the pulpit at the center of the gathering and the table began to be pushed away for the first 1500 years this was the center for the last 500 years this has been the center something's not right because now, this around the time of the, of the Reformation, the public preaching and, and the teaching of the word in the, you know, the, the printing press, and, and we don't have time to go into all of it, but that wasn't as common. So we did see the need for, for the public preaching and edification to, be, to, to happen, but it was never to be the, at, the, at the expense of the table. Do you hear me? And so I really felt like God is saying that we have to begin to recapture, particularly in our circles, the table. It's interesting, last week James touched on something, he touched on a number of really interesting things, but what stood out to me was, in our cultural moment, less and less are families eating around the dinner table. In fact, we've got so busy going from A to B that we just eat on the go. In fact, if I've asked to raise a hand, who so you had a takeaway this week, probably a number of people in this room, in some shape or form. But society has become less and less communal and more and more individualistic. And I believe, now we can, you can see comparisons when it came to the rise of the Reformation and, and, and the pulpit was because sort of driven by enlightenment periods where this need to understand and explain everything. But how many know there's a mystery around the table? There's a mystery around the table. And as I was praying, I really felt like God was challenging me, but also I, I feel like a word for us is, the next outpouring of his spirit in this community will travel faster and further around the table than it ever will through the pulpit. The next, think about it, the next outpouring of his spirit in this town and across this island will travel far faster and quicker through the table than it ever could through the pulpit. I'm not, I'm not, by the way, I'm not discrediting the, the place of the public preaching in public. That's important. But people like to talk around the table. People like to share around the table. Tell me who's had a meaningful conversation with the preacher around the pulpit. But tell me who's had a deep, life-changing conversation around the table. And I really felt like like the God saying, the next revival will not be a a Billy game crusade and I'm for them, and I actually feel like God spoke to us as a church about some of those things, but it's actually going to be a communion revival. In a society and in a community that's got so individualistic, and so I go to my own table. God saying, no, when unity, not only in this house, but across the, the, the churches in, in the island of Ireland, when we begin to go, how can we get b- back to a place where the, the table is at the center? John Wesley, as we know, came and preached at the foot of the Down Cathedral, but a lot of what had happened in his ministry was love feasts. It was the table that spread. Public preaching can spread the gospel, but I really believe the gospel is maintained, sustained around the table. It's the conversations. It's the sharing of life and story. So like I said, this morning's not here to, to argue with you theologically whether, you know, what these elements and, and you know, you can, you can fall in different categories and we can talk, outline that, but we'll do that for another day. But one thing I know in a measure of mystery is that there's a measure of access to God's presence that we can get access to through these elements and when we gather around the table. I'll put it like this. If you imagine with the mic here, the pulpit and the table. We're taught that when we're taught that God inhabits the praises of his people. We know that. God inhabits the praises of his people. Psalm, Psalm 22. And we come to worship with faith, with expectation, knowing that when we praise and when we let praise rise up, his presence comes down. We, we have that ingrained in us. We come to worship and it's why we have faith and it's why we encounter God's presence in worship. And then we know that God's word is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword enough for cutting and rebuking and correcting and edifying. And so when we read scripture or we hear scripture preached, we have faith. And we encounter God's presence during that. We get a life-changing word or for ourselves or through um, a space like this, and therefore we encounter God's presence. God's spirit speaks through His word. But what has happened over the last 500 years is we've lost the, the, the truth that actually we can encounter God's presence through the table. How do we know? First John First John uh, 1:3 says, "When they were pre-, it's, "We have made known to you." all that we've seen and heard. In other words, we've shared the stories so that you may also have fellowship with us. But listen, it's that fellowship with each other that we then have our fellowship with, listen, the Father and the Son, Jesus Christ. That word fellowship is just not just the we Protestant language we use, but is it's about intimate relationship. In fact, it uses the word intercourse. Because it's it's deeper than just a conversation, it's actually about how hey, we get to know each other. That's when we have fellowship with the Father and the Son, we have that intimate connection where God speaks to the depths of you and you begin to encounter the, the deeper depths of Him. It's where I want to talk about this morning where it's His presence upon the table. I really feel like we have to get back to what is this, where we get this presence upon the elements and this presence upon the people gathered around the table. That when we come to faith, because we come to, to, to worship in faith, we come to, to scripture in faith, but not so much the table. Because a bit like me, we're trying to sort out our, our, our weekly shop where we go through, come up, receive communion, sit back down, and it just becomes ritual. It was never to be a ritual. It was never to be a side part of our services. It's one of the reasons why we want to create intentional times where we have around the table when we do communion, it's around the Lord's table. It's not just for a party. Trust me, we have walked through Bethlehem the week after. And I know I'm, bit, I know I'm sometimes mad when we put things in the calendar, but I really felt like there was no point preaching on communion and come to the table with no table. It's like preaching Jesus's life and it's like, oh, by the way, stay on your death. It's like too long the church has been a resounding symbol of this is what God can do. And then we don't come in faith. And now I'm being challenged on this, but I really believe we have a measure of being able. What would it look like instead of, and I know some of you here, parents here and have kids going. On our dinner table, the, the last thing I'm thinking about is the presence of Jesus. I'm just kind of get wee Jimmy to eat his freaking vegetables. <laughs> now, he, this is the thing we've we di- We've dissected the dinner table on the Lord's table because the lord's table and we'll look at it happened through the Passover meal. It didn't happen just by going a, a formal ritual service it had you cannot have intimacy through formality. Reverence and formality are different. You will revere Jesus when you encounter the presence of Jesus upon the table i, re- I I'm not preaching anything new, but I just, I'm like, God, what is this? I, I'm telling you, there's a level of mystery that I don't have all the answers. And I'm not going to fit into whether I'm a reform box or a Eastern Orthodox box. I'm not, I'm not looking for boxes. I just know for the first 1,500 years when the church was spreading that it was the center. Now, I'm not saying we're going to have a, you know, a massive lunch at 11 a.m. in the morning, but I'm getting back to something here. We need to come back to the table in faith. Well, let me talk about the faith principle. Everyone knows the the story of the the woman who had issue of blood for 12 years. Remember that story where it says that Jesus was out ministering and the crowd were surrounded. They were pressing up against him on either side. It's like he was in, in the mob. And it says a woman with the issue of blood reached out and touched the hem of his garment and it says she was healed instantly. And then Jesus says, Who touched me? And the disciples say, well, Jesus, everyone was touching you. Everyone was pressed up. He says, no, someone touched me. How is it that everyone was touching Jesus and that woman got healed? Because it was her touch of faith is what healed her. We can all come and and sit at the table. But if we don't have faith, we don't get touched. It's the same thing. We can come to worship. And we can come and just sing the songs like Christian karaoke, but not get touched. Or we can sit down and read scripture 365 days of the year, and we don't come in faith, and we don't get touched. It's the same thing with the table, that we can come to the table, we can just get fed because it's nice, and we can come and get fed because we're lonely, and we just want to be around the table, and actually we don't come in faith, and we don't get touched. How do you come to the table in faith? Well, when we approach the table in faith, when we approach... Now listen to me, not just the elements. The elements, there's mystery and there's grace on the elements. There's presence on the elements. But also the people around the table. Because I want to take the stance that you're not just to take communion on your own. And you can do that. There's place for that. But we hear the context of communion spoke about in a corporate body. We come to the table of faith. Faith knows that you look back. There's times when you will come to the table. And you don't have a clue where you're going in life. In fact, life is so uncertain, you feel stuck, you feel trapped in your situations. Faith grows at this table when we share stories of what God has done. Faith grows at the table when we share the stories of what God's done. It's like, remember, remember when God did that? Remember when God gave us 50,000 pounds through someone who has to come to church and paid off the debt of the old building? Remember that time when God gave us a bigger build and a new build, and then I'm looking going to the repairs need done. I'm going, okay, God, I remember those things. We need you to come through, or maybe you're here and you remember the time where you you didn't have a a, a job. In fact, c- go talk to Hannah. It's just an incredible testimony. Should have got you up to share that. Where can I share it? It's a cracker. Thomas, McKibben Kevin doesn't know this. The morning we felt like God had a Someone had a word, and Anne got up that morning too and shared painting. If everyone's prophetic a prophetic painting, go to Anne, just to shout-out. She's going to kill me for saying that. But listen, Thomas had a story. He, did, he was looking for a job, didn't get a job, left it in God's hands because his better half was like, you know, leave it in God's hands, did the mature thing, and he leaves it. Long story short, God phoned, or the, the person phoned back, not God, the person phoned back. He got a, God spoke to the person who he applied for a job, gave him a job, and he got a job in the end, right? And Hannah's at the start of the prayer and fasting, not really enjoying where she's at, wanting to grow, wanting to get, you know, more, um, challenge in a job. And she's like, I'm going to start this 40 days of prayer and fasting. I'm going to get, go for a new job. So she applies for jobs in, um, which is the Department of Agricultural, something connecting somehow. And then there was Queen. So there was, she starts off, <laughs> I don't have time to fit this in really, but I'm going to. Um, a long story short, so there were two jobs applied for Aptheby. Livestock and something to do with science and soils. Soils. For livestock and science. Long story short, felt like she didn't get the livestock one, which is what she wanted. Gets an interview for the, uh, the soil. Goes to an interview. Turns out she's actually at the interview for the livestock and not the, the soil one. So has no clue what she's just rambles off. Comes to me in the car. She's like, I'm definitely not getting that job. I'm just raging. She'd be like, God, what are you doing to me? Why? I, and this is my dream job in some sense. It combines science and farming. Anybody knows. And as a farmer, loves animals. Right? Flunks the interview. And if you know the civil service, they, like, it's tech back bureaucratic exercises worse than anything else, right? So it had to be a miracle. You know where this is going. Anyways, a long story short, she gets offered the Queen's job, takes the Queen's job. If anybody, actually, it's probably too relevant to say because there's a bit of a process there, so um, don't let this go out anywhere. But... Um, <laughs> Along, I'm going somewhere with this. Please hear me. Um, gets, gets the Queen's job. Go sees around. Then on Thursday at 4pm on the last day of prayer and fasting I come down to her face like she got offered the aptly job the dream job at the 11th hour of the time of prayer and fasting. And let me hear you. Some of you are here and you're stuck. We remember what God has done in others and in us. And we begin, when you share that at the table, when you share testimony, faith rises. I'm telling you, it's not just ritual. It's about giving God, God, going, this is what he can do. Stories remind us of the faithfulness. Because if you need the Passover meal in which Jesus re-institutionalized to be the Lord's table, he fulfilled the Passover meal and brought in a a new um, remembrance meal, more than just remembrance. And it was about the time where the people of God were in slavery. There were, there were captives in Egypt. and A long, long story short, you can go read on it in Exodus. And Jesus, our God, he, he strikes down all the firstborn in Egypt and puts the fear of God on Pharaoh. And Pharaoh says to this, you know, it's time to go. I'm literally summarizing this. It's time to go. And they go, they're in part of a favor by silver and gold and they go out into the land, all 600,000, and they set up this meal to remember the coming generations of what God had done and set them free. That's the point of the past for me when you look back. And that's the point. But we you're in a season of waiting, when you're in a season of facing the impossibilities, not the, just the impossibilities, but seems an impassable, like you can't get past it. And you feel stuck. We come to the table to remember what he's done. I'm not saying you're going to do what you want. But what I'm going to say is he's the God that sets us free. This is a table of victory and of freedom. And he'll make a way that's different to necessarily what we think it might look like. Number two, faith knows to look up. There will be times when you come to the table and you do not feel good enough. With this overwhelming sense of sin and what you've done, you will feel like you do not, you're at the table, you're not good enough to sit here. But when you come to the table and you don't feel good enough, you have to remember what he done was enough. What he done was enough. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three to 26, it says this, that the night when Jesus was betrayed, he sat down at the table. It says, he broke the bread and said, take, eat, this is my body which was broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he took the cup after the supper saying, this cup is my new covenant. With you, in other words, my promise, my commitment to you in my blood, do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Our seat at the table is not because we're enough, but because what he done was enough. I remember back in May, I think I've shared some of this story with you that Hannah and I got an invite to uh, Hillsborough. It was a royal tea party. if anybody knows where I came from that's definitely so ironic um. But we went, and it's like, you know, how do you do all the fancies? And I'm definitely put both out of place um, where we're at. But we got an invite because it's really all community workers, representatives. It's things that you're there because of what you've done in the community, okay? The the king and the queen, the secretary of state, they invite you because it's all people who've done things in the community. In fact, everyone who was there from different backgrounds and different all sorts of uh, organizations, they were there on the basis of merit but you need to hear me your seat at the table is not because of what you've done but it's because of what he's done you are not at this table because of your own merit you're at this table because of his merit you have to to hear me we all can do great things there's so many giftings in this room but can I tell you God is not impressed by your giftings because who gave them to you in the first place Him. he knows how good he is and guess what he knows how bad we are but his blood was the merit in which we get to sit at this table. I feel like that's land with two people. Please tell me it's more. <laughs> Otherwise, we're going to have an empty table. Belinda's waving in the back. Great. We are not able to come to the table by what we've done, but by what he's done. We, if you if an said,, God will become real to you when you're so overwhelmed with your sin, when you're so overwhelmed with what you've done, and he goes... And he looks at you and he says, sit at my table. (laughs) Not like that. (laughs) Brewing's such a good analogy. That was the mic, not me, by the way. That's not how that was going in my head. You can tell it's not a serious table here anyway. I'm not doing that to lose the reverence of what's going on. But I don't want us to have false reverence for the table. We come not in an unworthy manner that says, look at me. You, know, you will come to the true table when you go, I'm a dirty, screwed up, busted mess. And they'll go, take a seat. Because that's who's the head of this table. That's who's the, that's the culture of this table. That when you're like, I'm not good enough, he says, so What? I am. Stop looking to yourself. We're not the center of this table. He is. It's mercy. It's grace. It's not that we take ourselves serious and come with a, a false sense of Oh, I'm, I, I, I'm serious. I'm taking this serious. No. The Lord's table becomes real in your life when you just cannot sit on that seat. And he takes a seat and he goes I want to sit. When you're in your sin when you're in your brokenness and he's going to say I'm here. Let's make my table in the dirt if I have to. It's not a table full of linen and cloth. That's just look. It's a table that when you feel like you're in the presence of your enemies. One, two, back off. When you're in the lowest point of your life, he says he makes a table before you in the presence of your enemies. Sometimes your enemies are the inner ones. In fact, that's most of it. When we come to the table, faith knows to look up. The cross is enough. Third thing, faith knows to look forward. This table isn't just for this life. This table is also about a life to come. This table is about a future hope. Not only has he come that you may have a hope and a future in this life, he's also saying my table is about a future hope that is coming. It cannot be stopped. There's some of you, and I really felt this, there's some of you are here and you've been feeling like giving up in the Christian life. I'm done. Life's been honestly, justifiably hard on you lately. You've been hit from every side. Sometimes you've been hit from your inner circles and yet you're you're beat and you want to quit. You're tired. You've been burnt because the tables you've been part of have fought, divided and went and started their own tables. And you've been left going, I invested in these people. I really feel like God wants to tell you hold on. I want you to hold on. Keep running the race. Keep coming to my table. Not just on your own, in your own times, but I'm talking about corporate here. He says, keep coming to the gathered table. Keep coming and being around other people. I know they're screwed up, busted messes. Trust me, I don't look at them, you know, this is what Jesus said. He's not looking to them through false eyes. He says, come to my table. Hold on, keep running the race. Keep doing life with people. Because there's a day coming At a future table, when you will see everything else was worth it. Everything you endured, you will see at that future table was worth it. Revelation 19.69 says this in a vision. Then I heard what seemed to be a voice of great multitude, like a roar of many waters, and like a sound of many mighty pearls of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give him glory. Listen, for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his bride, which is you, has made herself ready. Stayed at the table. It was granted her to clothe herself in fine linen and bright, bright and pure for the linen is the righteousness deeds of the saints. Listen to this. Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. If you haven't realized, there's a marriage supper of the Lamb coming and Jesus returns. Why do we keep holding on? Why do we keep coming to the table doing life with people? Because at the future table, at this future table, you will sit and see, you will sit with him and see that he was worth it. That he is worth it. That when you look around you go, the real ugly realities of life on this earth, you will see that as you kept running the race, as you kept enduring the trials, as you kept faith in him and kept faith in his table, you will see that he, the prize, was worth the endurance. Your hope in this life should not be circumstantial. It has to be eternal. It's an eternal table that when you look and you go, I'm sitting beside so-and-so, I know the busted messes, surely... These elements are not enough for me, but also when it's enough for you, it's enough for them. Our fellowship is with each other and with the Father. It's joined in unison. There is a day coming that Jesus has prepared a banquet table and he will invite all of you to it. I feel like some of you, that's maybe the first you've heard but that's going to be the case. So not only do we have access to his presence at this table in this life, he will meet us again in this heavenly form in the next. Day. So when culture and when society are mocking you, when they're criticizing you for sitting at Christ's table, believing what he believes, the head of the table, when they're criticizing you and, and taunting you for that, there will be a day where they will see what was on offer. There will be a day where they will come to realize, look at them all be invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. One, who didn't tell me? That's our job. And two, how wrong I was. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be on the wrong side. And I know I'm not. So we have a greater price. We keep holding on. We keep coming to the table. Because I can tell you, the reward is worth it. But listen to me. As we keep coming to the table, in our community, as we display that, and as we look to get that back to part of our services and part of our gatherings. Not just on a Sunday morning, but intentional. We're going to keep some free seats. We're going to keep some empty seats in faith, knowing that when Jesus begins to open up the eyes of the people around us, they're going to have a seat at the table too. And do you know what? For some of you, you're going to be sitting inside the people who threw you under the bus. You're going to be sitting inside the people who your community don't like. In fact, I get married to a side of the community that my family thought, now they're way above us. In fact, it's ironic cause it's the other way too. At our table, at his table, we will share in the body and the blood of Jesus. We will experience the grace and the presence of Jesus with people that are different. That's This is the first fruits of that supper to come. It says my, many different roaring waters. I want to invite the, the band back up. Let's not allow culture to dictate what the church should be doing and it's gathering around the table. I know I'm preaching to the choir in some senses because I know a lot of you are great at opening up your homes. But if we're too busy to open our homes, and this is a challenge for me and Hannah too, if we are too busy to, to create spaces where people gather, then we're not really serious about this. Hear me. There is a mystery when it comes to these elements. I'm not here to argue with you. But it's not confined just to a church service. But yet we bring them into our homes. And as churches, we bring more spaces that we can actually partake in these elements. And I really believe just as we experience his presence in worship, we experience presence in the word when we intentionally come and go, hey, gathered people, let's remember what God's done. Let's remember that he's enough. Let's remember what is the future hope before us as we partake in these. We allow that knowledge and truth to sink over us, but also we receive his grace. What would it look like for the presence of Jesus to fall upon our times? to fall upon our communion times that we just go and it's quite hypocritical of me because we're not going into a, a time where we're going to break this bread and this this, this cup together we're going to go into a different form of communion for a couple of individuals but I do want to encourage you come we do communion you know once a month maybe we need to do that more I'm being challenged in this too but also come to those times where I'm not just going to do it as a ritual, we're going to be really intentional. Why don't you stand? We are going to go into a time where four people are going to declare their, their faith in Jesus before you and I want you to celebrate because it's humility. It's boldness to do that. It's also freezing but this is a form of communion where when we die with Christ we're raised a new life we're we're communing with his death and we're communing with his resurrection but I also I also want to let you know that maybe you're here and you you haven't been baptised we have a few extra tiles and different things if you want to do that come chat but also you're here and you've forgotten about what it means to be baptised you've been baptised a long time ago we're sanctified we're made right with Christ but also we're being sanctified in that we're being transformed into his image it's an ongoing process so the waters of baptism does not save any of these four guys I know I spoke to them. they'll be at that supper of 100% because Romans 10, 10 is very clear if you believe uh, in your heart that Jesus died for you and if you can confess with your lips that he's Lord you will be saved there's no beating around the bush and you're here but I want to let you know God wants to continue the transforming work. This isn't just a symbol. There's a grace that comes upon the waters to be sanctified and transformed as image. You, maybe some of you here need a fresh encounter with his grace to be transformed his image because you're stuck. You're in your own captivity. And God's like, I want to I wanna bring you into out of captivity and into freedom. So I'm going to pray that as we go get changed in these, the band leaders in the song, I want to pray that actually what happens with these guys would also be imparted to you and that a grace would come upon you that you would die to yourself, you would die to your sin and that gain the spirit of God would raise you to new life. So Father, we thank you this morning that we get to come to your table because you're enough. We remember who you are and what you've done, not only on the cross but how you and your goodness and your mercy and your kindness have met us on the road and how you want to continue to meet us and encounter and transform us and we look forward with hope knowing that there is a day coming now when all will be made well. And in this life, we press into that, the first fruits of that. And God, as we we just pray, that as we go into this next moment, that we would die with you, but we know we will be raised in this life and then in the next, into a new life with you. Let's worship as, as the guys get ready to...